This is Jeremy Bassetti, and you're listening to Travel Writing World, a podcast featuring interviews with travel writers about their work and about the business and craft of travel writing. You can find the episode show notes, free travel writing resources, and much more at travelwritingworld.com. Hello, everyone. This is episode 67 of the Travel Writing World podcast. Joining me again is Jason Wilson. As you know, Jason has been the series editor of the yearly Best American Travel Writing Anthology for the last two decades. Though, as you'll hear us discuss today, this year's volume is the last. Of course, we speculate on the reasons why this is the last volume, but we also talk about what American travel writing looked like during the pandemic and about the power of email lists, newsletters, and platforms for travel writers. Anyway, before we start the interview today, just a note to say that while the show is free, a lot of work goes into it. Please consider telling your friends about the show, leaving a review on the Apple Podcast app or whichever podcasting app you use, or supporting the show with only a few dollars, pounds, or euros a month, less than a cup of coffee, at travelwritingworld.com forward slash support. And finally, if you're interested in getting my free monthly roundup of travel writing news delivered to your inbox in a newsletter I call Genius Loci, visit jeremybassetti.com to sign up. As ever, thanks for listening. So now, here is Jason Wilson. Jason, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Another year, another volume of the best American travel writing this year with uh, <laughs> Padma Lakshmi. Yes, a very special year this year, but it's number 22. Yeah. <laughs> this year, the series ed- editor is Padma Lakshmi. Um, she's an author and television host and um, yes, the guest editor. Yeah. Yeah. She was fantastic to work with and she picked a terrific book and she was just so nice to work with and really engaged with it and uh, was really happy to have her as the guest editor this year for sure. Yeah. Well, so this new volume, uh, which gets released, I think on October 12, 2021 is special for a few ways. Uh, and, and one, one being is that it was a, it's the COVID edition, uh, so to speak. Uh, the essay. That's true. That's true. Yeah. It was a difficult year for travel writing for sure, because everybody knows that the travel assignments from travel magazines were, you know, far and few between in, in, in 2020 and, uh, people weren't traveling. And so I think this edition maybe veers a little bit more towards travel memoir, I think. I mean, I think that's safe to say. And I think, you know, maybe a few pieces that were probably assigned and written pre-COVID. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think actually, though, there's not a lot of dealings with with COVID very directly. There are a few pieces for sure. But like this isn't definitely isn't going to be like, you know, best American COVID writing. You know, <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. Depressing. <laughs> I haven't yeah. I haven't had a chance uh, to sit down and, and read these new essays. And you just mentioned um you know, that these are kind of leaning towards more travel memoir, which I'll ask you about in a minute. But what what does uh, the best travel journalism look like uh, when we cannot travel so much? <laughs> well, I think there was quite a bit of domestic travel that I read last year. For instance, like um, Jackie Bryant's piece in her own Substack newsletter, which that that was a whole thing this year. We had 
you know, this was the also the year of the Substack newsletter inclusions, you know, um, she's the cannabis journalist, right? Can right. Exactly. <laughs> cannabis. Um, and she wrote about going, <laughs> she wrote about going to, um, up to California's weed country in the Emerald, Emerald Triangle during the wildfires, uh, last summer. And, uh, so I think there was a lot of that kind of domestic travel for sure that was happening mm-hmm. and, and, and it's represented. Yeah. We, we often uh, heard about that. I guess people were predicting that during the pandemic travel would take a more kind of inward turn and in that travelers and journalists would look, would look more domestic, um, and, and write about more domestic things. And, you know, the, the yeah. rise uh, of the road trip again, um, is, are there any other kind of Trends but that- I think I think that's, you know, that's po- that's a poetic way to put it. But also we couldn't go anywhere. I mean, I know in my my own travel writing, I mean, my assignments were, you know, to the Finger Lakes, to, you know, Jersey Shore. I mean, it was that was just what was being assigned because that was what was possible. So, I mean, I think there. Yes, I think a lot of travelers certainly, you know, maybe had a, a reckoning, you know, maybe a lot of travel writers, how much they travel, how, you know, the, the effect of travel on the world, you know, the effect of over tourism, the effect on the environment. I mean, that's mm-hmm. all that all was there, but also there was just a simply a practical reason why people, we weren't traveling. For right. Sure. Right. And I guess it also depended on, on which state you lived uh, because some, some people were on more, I guess, restrictive lockdowns and couldn't, even travel as domestically as, you know, even if they wanted to, they couldn't do that as much as others. Um, so, right. so, so is this kind of like a, you mentioned the travel memoir, is that kind of the big, the big trend here? A lot of naval, a lot more naval gazing. And- <laughs> I mean, I hope what's in here isn't naval gazing, but I mean, of course, you know, you had like John Lee Anderson's piece, you know, about, you know, a trip he took in his twenties to Alaska, you know, in here, you know, that was published in the New Yorker, you know, you have pieces like, let's say Bill Buford's piece, you know, that was from his book about like, you know, his time living in France. So, I mean, you had like, it had a lot of sort of backward looking travel. It was a time for like a travel writer to maybe sit and, and recollect, you know, rather than report, I guess is more of what I, what I'm saying. I mean, you have pieces like, we ran these two pieces from Jen that were sort of like the, the uh, uh, bookends. I mean, from Megan Dom and Glynis McNichol, one deciding to leave New York and one deciding to stay in New York, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think they were published in the same week. So, I mean, I guess, you know, certainly COVID's here. It's unavoidable. I mean, it's, that's just, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it's done artfully. I mean, certainly I read a shitload of, I got stuck at home because of COVID <laughs> travel stories this year. And so I'm hoping, you know, this is the half dozen or so best of them that, I, that are in there. Yeah. The, the journey around my room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, says, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Recollect uh, more than report. I like the way that you phrase this. And it reminds me a bit about your forward, which, uh, by the way, is excellent. I think it was uh, first published in the Washington Post. Um, but your forward deals with many things, including like coming to terms with the fact that you know, the changing world is indeed part of the experience of the world and also like inherent in travel and also like doubling down on the idea that travel isn't necessarily to see your, you know, this social media world world that we're living in to be seen, but it's to like examine the world and the self, right? It's a, about external discovery, but internal discovery and uh, your forward. And I think Lakshmi's uh, introduction also kind of doubles down on this idea that, you know, these, these essays are about the internal journey, right? The, the in- internal discovery part of, of travel. 
Like what is travel if we're not sitting back and reflecting on, on our own experiences? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, but I think that's, that's a lot of the travel writing in, in almost every edition of this. I mean, you have oh, great travel writing is both an exterior journey and an interior journey. I mean, that's like a cliche almost. I mean, right. it's the, we, we know this, you know, I mean, there has to be some change in the, in the main character, the narrator, you know, who is the traveler, who's the writer. I mean, you know, there has to be some, something, you know, otherwise, I mean, it is really in the end, just kind of a service piece. And so, yeah, I mean, I think one of my favorite pieces in this year's collection is by um, a writer named Meg, Meg Bernard, who it was in Hazlitt. And um, it's about how she kind of became, she was hiking the uh, Camino and she kind of became obsessed with this story of this young German guy who drowned off the coast of Galicia. And she ends up going to visit his, uh, his family, you know, in Germany. And, uh, you know, and and I'm not going to spoil the piece, but I mean, she gets into a lot of her own personal reflection and, and, you know, I think that that, that definitely is one of my absolute favorite pieces of the year. And, uh, you know, I think that really is the kind of piece we're seeing this year for sure. Mm-hmm. Or la- I mean, in 2020, we saw a lot more of that kind of piece. Yeah, that, that sounds I, I need to I need to spend some more time with the uh, the the volume. It does sound interesting, like but I'm, I'm just thinking here, um, y- you know, if you have any ideas or insights, if or how, you know, the pandemic has kind of changed the way that it, obviously it changes the way that we travel, but has it changed the way that um, lasting uh, has it changed the way that we will write about travel? I mean, is this recollection instead of reporting? Is this do you see this as kind of a, a more long term trend, or um, is that here to stay? I don't know. I think there was like there was something about COVID shutting down travel that was universal. I mean, no one could travel abroad, you know, in the, in the world really, and so there was this mass grounding and a mass reflection, I guess, but I don't know. I don't think necessarily that's going to continue. I mean, there were a lot of, you know, I mean, look at any major event over the last 20 years, you know, when Trump got elected, you had a lot of pieces about like traveling to Trump country. You know, if you, when nine 11 happened, you had a lot of pieces about, you know, traveling in, in these countries, you know, certain countries, you know, and, and so, I mean, I just think that just, no, I don't, I don't, think that there's going to be any more necessarily travel reflection published and, you know, in the coming years than, than there has been. Um, but who knows? I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, certainly, I mean, certainly the pandemic has changed the economics of publishing. I mean, and so, you know, I, I'm sure that (laughs) magazines don't have the same travel budget. So maybe, I don't know. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's something that we saw. I mean, of course this was a trend that was happening since way before COVID, but it seems that COVID, COVID accelerated that, you know, like we, we heard a lot about in-flight magazines folding and, you know, publications closing and, you know, let's not bury the lead <laughs> here anymore. Like, yeah, let's, let's just get right into it. The reason why this is a special edition of the best right. American travel writing, I mean, drum roll, please, is this the last one because yeah. it, 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 it too has become a casualty of, uh, the media moment, the media apocalyptic media moment. Um, and Houghton Mifflin has uh, discontinued the series. It's not the first in the series that they had done that to. I mean, I think sports writing got cut a few years ago. The non-required reading got cut. And, um, you know, I don't know if there will be others, but I mean, 
travel writing has been the latest to be cut. And, uh, but wow, what a run. I mean, two decades effectively, right? 20, 20 years, 20, 21 years, 20, well, 22 editions. Yes. Wow. The first one was in 2000. So that would have been the, the work from 99. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, you know, I learned about this in the winter time when we were putting this to bed. Um, so I guess I've kind of come to terms with it already, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird to get to this time of the year and not be thinking about what's going to be in the next edition for sure. But at the same time, I mean, you know, I think there's, you know, this, this is a, it was a, I, I know it was like a really cold blooded financial decision in the end. I mean, it wasn't right. really much to say. I mean, Houghton Mifflin has been acquired by a VC firm and, you know, it's like, um, you know, they are getting rid of all the titles that don't meet a certain sales goal. And I guess, I guess this didn't do it. You right. Know? Um, oh, yeah, and one, so. one, one, like on one end of it, like on one side of the coin, I, I, I can understand the, the economic motive here, right? That if it's a business and the business is to make money and if it's not making as much money as it would like, then it needs to sever some ties. And, you know, I understand that from the business perspective, but, you know, certainly that they're making money, they should have been making money to do this for, for 20 years, over 20 years. Yeah. I mean, it was profitable. I mean, it sold, but it just, it didn't meet what, you know, what their, what their margin was. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, like, like, like to be completely honest, I mean, the book hasn't sold as well in the last 10 years as it did in the first 10 years, you know, it hasn't sold as well in the last five years as it did in the five years before that. I mean, you know, so this has all been, you know, just like everything else in publishing, you know, it, it, like the sales, we can look at the sales and go, well, they're good. Yeah. But they weren't as good as they were in 2002 for sure. You know, I mean, so, you know, those, some of those early editions in the early 2000s sold like three or four times what they sell now. So, I mean, you know, this, this has just been a slow decline. I mean, you know, and that's also interesting. People need, do people need a, you know, a curated hardcover volume in, in, in this moment. I don't know. I mean, you know, right. I mean, back in those, you know, in the, in the first 10 years, everything was coming literally from print magazines. And of course people didn't subscribe to, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 print magazines. And so we were really doing something now. I mean, you know, three quarters of this, more than that, 90% of this you can find online. online and yeah. so, yeah, I mean, do you think, you know, you could do best American travel writing on your blog. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we will, they have a trademark, so we'd have to call it something else. But yeah, yeah. Um, the good, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> some of the best. Goodest American travel writing. <laughs> the best North American. Yeah. So I wonder if like we can read anything here in the bones uh, about the, the future of, of travel journalism. Do you think this is uh, indicative of a broader trend of, of collapse or is just this just kind of some idiosyncratic issue that doesn't have any larger implications. I mean, I don't think it has any, I don't, I mean, I don't think the the ending of best American travel writing doesn't like, I mean, I don't think we should read too much into that. I mean, you know, but what I, I think we can say is that over the last 10 years, the pool of, you know, the pool of travel writing that we once drew from, right. I mean, like, let's say it from 2000 to 2010, I would have to submit a hundred pieces every year. And there were enough to do that. You know, my contracts over the last few, you know, six, eight years or whatever, we have, I've only had to turn in 50 to 75 just and simply because there just isn't enough being published. So, I mean, that's just like, you know, that's, 
it's just the way it goes. I mean, there, you know, uh, there just isn't as much travel writing being published anymore. Right. Um, so this isn't, this is basically a symptom of a larger, larger issue perhaps. Yeah. I mean, it's not like for magazines, it's, I guess it's not really very cost effective. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago, it was like people, magazines funded independent travel. I mean, you didn't have, you had press trips and fan, they called them fam trips at that time, but like, you know, journalists didn't go on them. Right. I mean, it was like, it was definitely like taboo Mm -hmm. now. I mean, you know, like, I mean, magazines can't afford to travel. And so, I mean, the whole idea of the press trip, you know, just like everything else, I mean, who cares? You went on a press trip, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's just like standard operating procedure for a lot of these places, you know, it's just a changing landscape of journalism across the board. I I mean, it's not, Terrific for journalism, but yeah. I mean, I mean, but was travel writing really ever journalism? I mean, I guess, it's like, you know, I mean, like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's yes, journalism. It. yes, yes, it is. But I mean, it's sort of like, it's also autobiography. It's also narrative. I mean, yeah. it's also, you know, it, it could be anything. right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Paul through once said that, like, you know, it, it begins in, it, it begins in fact, moves through autobiography and eventually slides into fiction, you know, I mean, you know, so it's, I mean, it's a crafted reality. I mean, certainly narrative travel writing. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just, I'm also kind of reading this as, you know, another, I guess, reminder how unpredictable the market can be, but also like how um, cautious journalists or writers need to be uh, in terms of relying on one source of, of income or one, you know, tree to pull fruit from, I guess, you know, I mean, um, you know, journalists can, can write for different outlets, multiple outlets, but sometimes like the most lucrative one, you know, can in, in an instant disappear. So like, I know you have some things that you're working on your newsletter and your own podcast, but like, are, are these the types of things you think that travel journalists or just journalists can do to shield against these types of market volatilities and, in like what? What is your take on that? <laughs> I, I mean, I have, I don't know. I mean, I you know, I think everybody's just kind of trying to guessing figure it out right now. I mean, yeah. is is the Substack model going to be? But that's what you're doing. Journalism, I think. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe, but also, I mean, we'll see in two or three years because a lot of what's driving Substack right now, for instance, is you'd have a lot of big names on Substack, but a lot of them have been given advances. Um. You know, I mean, you've heard, I mean, this isn't anything new. I mean, like, you know, a lot of the big names on Substack have been given advances. And so we'll see in year two and three, like once they have to sort of sink or swim with what they've developed in the first year or so on that advance, we'll see how profitable that's going to be. Or is that going to, you know, is that going to end up being like medium was before that? And everybody's going to leave Substack when it's, there's no money there anymore and go to the next platform. You know, I mean, right. right now it just seems like, a pile of money, you know, uh, crops up, everybody runs over there, drains it dry and then moves on to the next platform. You know I mean? And there'll be en- an endless series of, you know, tech companies who are going to try to like reinvent, you know, publishing in some way, you know, I mean, right. but not there's every- no reason, there's no reason not to think there's not going to be another Substack in three years trying to do something different. Right. But not everybody, you know, gets this huge advance to, to go on Substack and people are, are indeed doing 
very similar things, but not on Substack. They're doing it independently. But I'm just thinking here, like as as a model for independent journalists or journalists not to necessarily get all their income from Substack or a newsletter or a podcast or whatever, but to have this as kind of like one of the streams, um, just like the best American travel writing was for you. It, was, it wasn't, you know, your yearly source of income, but it was, it was a stream, right? It was like something that you could count on, something that you could pull from, but it wasn't your major, your main source of income. Right. So like, I wonder like if this is kind of the future for independent journalists to tap into as a, as a somewhat reliable stream. I, I guess what I'm asking is like, like, how are you kind of thinking about your own newsletter and your own podcasts? Well, I think the most important thing, I mean, for writers is to, to, I mean, we're all learning this. I mean, it is to own your own email list, own the yeah. contact list of your mm-hmm. audience, basically. I mean, that's the problem. I mean, that's honestly the problem with best American. I mean, I, you know, best American as years went on and I would get emails or you know, like handwritten letters and, you know, stuff. And you, you would kind of gather that like it was kind of the same people who were buying it every year. It was like an annual thing. You, I would get a note from someone and they'd be like, well, I've been reading this for 10 editions. And I mean, they would complain. They'd be like, oh, well, these these the last few years have been half the size of the ones in 2008, you know, you know, and, and they would complain. And I would realize they were what reading it every year. And I think a lot of a lot of the core audience, which is probably a little older, were reading it like that every year. But like now this ends. I mean, I, I don't have any access to that, to those, you know, who, who who's the audience? I don't you know, there's no way to know that. Right. And I so like to me, that's, I think the thing we're all learning here is, you know, and that's why something like Substack's really valuable because, you know, you're, it's your audience, you, you own the list and then you can move around and let people know what you're doing and your audience moves with you. And I think that's really, I mean, this is nothing new. I mean, this is like been in the making for 20 years. I mean, in, in, in new, you know, digital media, I mean, you know, so it's like, um, but I think that writers that aren't doing that or haven't been doing that, you know, Mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I could. So, I mean, it's like, it's really not about like, you know, doing a newsletter or doing this or that. I mean, it's really about like, what, like your audience and like, Owning that you that. have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So can can you briefly tell us about your newsletter and your podcast and like, well, the podcast was like an experiment. It was, it grew out of the newsletter and podcast. I mean, we, we had, we're called, we did seven episodes. We're calling it season one, and we'll <laughs> yeah, see. Yeah. season two, maybe coming, but the newsletter, it was the real, you know, um, it's called everyday drinking and it's about wine, spirits, cider, way to beer piece, you know, so drinks and, uh, you know, it's been going pretty well, moderately, you know, modestly well. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. I mean, we, you know, we try to publish every week. I mean, this summer, kind of fell out a little, like, <laughs> fell a little behind as these things go. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a mix of like free and paid, you know, you can pay for a subscription, but you can read it for free too. I mean, so it's what a lot of other people are doing, you know, it's, it's just a way for me to have sort of a regular outlet, you know, mm-hmm. a regular platform. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Do you have any, uh, this is sometimes referred to as like platform building, right? <laughs> in, yeah. In this space. And I was wondering if you had any like early insights. So you've been doing it for what, about six months. Six yeah. Months? It's not, I don't really, I mean, the insights, I think when I actually do reporting, I think the numbers are better. I think I've heard been hearing that if people really want, you know, news information, you know, and, uh, that's, I guess, another interest. Less sort of, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that the other stuff doesn't do well also, but I mean, I, like the biggest numbers come from something that's like pretty well reported. People are down with a like a professionally run newsletter that comes out regularly and is reported and, you know, and is like anything else that they, you know, subscribe to. Like any other, you know, traditional media that they subscribe to. Right. Um, I guess that's a, one of the benefits of owning your own email list or I hate the way that I just <laughs> articulated that, but like, you know, having your own list of, of, of contacts, owning your audience, so to speak, is that y- like you get feedback from, p- from your audience, uh, people that are interested in what you're doing. Like they let you know what they're interested in and you wouldn't ha- have that necessarily by, you know, playing on a, someone else's platform or, you know, publishing for someone else's outlet. Like you get that immediate feedback. I remember, I think it was, um, who writes the platformer newsletters that Casey Newton anyway. Um, he, he yeah, write, just, uh, I, he writes, just, a, he writes yeah, about I tech and read something by, by, uh, by that writer. And, and, and I think they were saying the same thing. It was like, um, they hate interviews, right? This is my audience hates interviews. So um, right. that's useful. But for, they respond to like real reporting. That was right. what that, that yeah. like they were saying the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the interesting and valuable kind of feedback loops that you wouldn't necessarily get by publishing in some in-flight magazine, right? <laughs> well, you're, I mean, as a writer, you're so removed from that. I mean, as you're, if you're a freelance writer, it's like, you know, you're lucky to have a half dozen exchanges with an editor before the thing's published, right? I mean, you're going to have like the assignment exchange, uh, on one, one full edit, you know, maybe like a second edit, maybe some last minute stuff, and then maybe some, you know, back and forth over payment, but like, that's it. And then you, maybe you get the link when it comes out, but I mean, you don't really, you know, you don't, you don't know what kind of numbers it did. Nobody shares that. You don't know what kind of, you know, what kind of reach it had, who it's reaching, you don't you don't know yeah. any of that. Yeah. I completely agree since, uh, you know, for the podcast, um, we also, uh, for the website, we have, you know, an, e- an email list where people can subscribe and get every month. I just automatically send the previous month's content, like our interviews and articles or whatever that we publish on the website. And that just goes out automatically. And that email list that I have is, is super valuable because I can, you know, con- reach out to the people that are interested in staying in touch um, and, and it's also valuable because they can reach back to me and tell me, Hey, I like this. I didn't like this. And, and, th- and that's extremely powerful for any independent creative, like a writer or journalist. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's essential. I yeah. mean, it's like, I, and you know, I, like I, it's like, I'm saying this, I mean, I'm, I'm late to the game cause I, you know, was still existing in this legacy media world of best American travel writings for too long. You know, I mean, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm behind, I'm way behind, you know, I mean, I have friends that have much that have, you know, embraced this much sooner than I did. Yeah. Well, that's good that you're, um, 
I guess, building your own empire instead of helping someone build yeah. uh, theirs. <laughs> empire. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. Um, but wow. So the end of an era, gosh. Like travel writing is not going to end because, you know, best American travel writing ended. I mean, that's, you know, it's been travel writing. It's been around since Herodotus, you know, was penning, you know, his <laughs> telling his tales about, you know, the his lies, Trojans, you know, or whatever, you know, so like, yeah, I mean, so, uh, you know, that like it's that's not it's not going anywhere. But, uh, you know, I also think that maybe this idea of like curating in the word best, I mean, I, you know, if it does over the last few years, it's begun to feel a little dated to me, to be honest with you, you know, the best, is this the best travel writing? I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the best that two people put together in a few months, you know, based on what we read during the year, you know? So I think that that's like, you know, I mean, we're living in an age where like, you know, do we want that kind of gatekeeping? I don't know. I mean, you know, so, I mean, I, I started to get a little ambivalent about that kind of gatekeeping, you know, over yeah. the past few years, you know? So, and, um, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's probably always going to be a best American short stories, a best American essays. I mean, those are, I mean, the short stories have been around for a hundred years. So, you know, I, I, but I wonder though, I mean, I wonder that kind of traditional gatekeeping, is that what people want anymore? I don't know. Right. And just as a kind of a side note, I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard about this, but in, um, in England, they're publishing soon the, the best, British travel writing of the 21st that. century. <laughs> it's a little early on that, but um, yeah. So it seems like they're kind of ramping up to do something similar over there. I did see that they were, uh, somebody was tweeting that the other day they were, they were designing, they were figuring out what the best, they were asking, they were crowdsourcing what the best cover was, I think yesterday yeah, yeah. or the other day. Jess Vincent. Yeah. She put so, out, yeah. yeah. Like which cover do you like best? It was, it was interesting in terms of, which is, which is crazy. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, like I can't even choose the, my own cover for, but like, I could never choose my own cover. For, even the writer couldn't, or their editor couldn't choose their own cover for best American. So this is like, you know, you know, maybe they're doing it completely different. Yeah. Well, hopefully they, they have success with that. Um, yeah. Well, Jason Wilson, thanks uh, for coming on the podcast again. Do you have a, um, I guess a URL for your newsletter? Yeah, I mean, if you're interested in drinks, come to everydaydrinking.com and, uh, sign up. Yeah. And I would just say like, I hope you get your podcast, um, uh, back running for season two, because it was interesting. The story is like, it's, it's immersive because I, I don't know how you, how you're doing it, but you're pulling in sounds from the travels. Like you, I guess you have a field recorder with you and you're, I do. I do. I like that. I mean, I, I just, I think it was, uh, I mean, it it actually did pretty well. I just, it got to be really onerous, you know, like on top of everything else, but I think, you know, I think maybe shorter and, uh, yeah, we'll see. And the season definitely is going to be season two. We just, it'll just be a little different. Yeah. I think the season model is, is interesting and also helpful so you're not like constrained to, to produce <laughs> uh, every week or every, you know, on a yeah, schedule. Yeah, yeah. You can do it as you want. So, well, great. We'll put those links in the show notes. Thanks, Jason, for coming back. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. You can find the episode show notes and much more at TravelWritingWorld.com. Please remember to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. And if you find the show valuable, please consider leaving a review or supporting the show with only a few dollars a month at travelwritingworld.com/support. 